0: the Great Resignation, or is it the Great Reshuffle? Is it pandemic-caused, or is it more historical than that? My name is Chris Joslin. Join us today for this edition of Josbytes. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Jaws Bites. As always, we are sponsored by iLevelLogistics.com, coming across your screen at this very moment, hopefully. And today, as said a few minutes ago, I want to talk just briefly about something that kind of I termed as the Great Reshuffle. You know, a lot of people are talking about the Great Resignation these days in the business world, but I've kind of redefined that a little bit to the Great Reshuffle. Um, And we'll go into some of the reasons why in just a a second or two. But by all accounts, you know, the coronavirus pandemic motivated employees to at least contemplate their careers, to reflect on the hours away from their family to envision an entirely new work-life balance, as it were, and that's something that that we as individuals have always been thinking about through our entire careers. Anybody that goes into a career path or a business in general tries to balance those things and compartmentalize what they do during work hours and what they do after for recreational purposes, et cetera. So that is not surprising at all. The pandemic, in fact, exposed really a widespread worker dissatisfaction of some sort. So it's not surprising that after you mix into the, the formula, you know, the closures from state to state, the businesses that were put on hiatus for a period of time, the industries itself that were downgraded because of the lack of, of travel, et cetera, it's not surprising that that there was a great resignation that followed that kind of dissatisfaction. Millions quit their jobs in search of, you know, flexibility and greater fulfillment of some kind. And there's, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to point to people looking for something new and better in their lives. But is that the whole story? You know, the business leaders quickly endorsed this kind of view. You know, after all, what other account could possibly explain unprecedented numbers of resignations across the nation? You know uh, in addition to that, it kind of fits well into you know the, the popular narrative that you know companies are learning from the pandemic and changing how they do business. And there's an effort to restructure corporate cultures to accommodate employees' new demands. There's a whole series of things we could talk about in terms of employers and employee relationships and the demands put upon each from either direction. But we'll save that for another day. Today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the great resignation or the great reshuffle, as as I've been terming it, and how that is kind of coalescing around things that people are looking at emotionally versus logically and really how it applies to the transportation logistics industry, supply chain industry as a whole. Because, as always, I've talked about, the, you know, part of the, the goal of what we do with bringing you this information, this aggregated and curated information on the iLevelLogistics.com website is to give those that are either industry, in the industry and out of the industry, a bigger view of how this type of thing applies to your daily lives. And certainly having a job, bringing in money for the family, paying your bills and then constructing a life and not just a living is part of that viewpoint. So, you know, I, for just a few minutes today, this is more of a shorter version of this. I just wanted to kind of review some of the things that, that we have put out in, uh, in, on the site, um, in terms of on, in paper on the site, in paper, in communication on the site, to kind of point out some of the derivations from reality and how much actually this pandemic generated great resignation Really follows a pattern that has nothing to do with the pandemic. So that's where we're going. The explanation of what the employers are looking at and what the employees are looking at, and the changes that are going on, the the amount of of job openings and quits really have a correlation. You know, there there is the explanation wholly discounts the current explanation of the great resignation that is pandemic uh, centric, if you will, you know, it kind of discounts job market realities, supply and demand realities really, you know, presently there are lots and lots of businesses hiring just millions of job openings out there. It's a seller's market. You know, certainly employees quit jobs because of that to take advantage of their newly acquired leverage leverages what we do in terms of response to others, in terms of purchasing or selling things. It's also, in in this case, what you're purchasing or selling is your own personal hours, your time, your energy, your input into someone's business framework. So record-breaking job openings cause record-breaking resignations. It's not the other way around. As the common themes are out there today in a lot of the literature you're reading, um, online etc basically says there's this this revaluation of of life in general in placing things of higher importance than the current job you might have so you're resigning to go get another job that fits your life criteria more closely i'm suggesting eye level is suggesting as well through some some regression charts and things that it's the actually the opposite, and his, history kind of backs us up on this. So record-breaking job openings, now as the world is coming out of its, its slumber, is causing the record-breaking resignations. When there are better alternatives, people simply resign to look for something different. There is no evidence that the pandemic changed long-standing market incentives. When jobs are plentiful, people quit their positions and seek of more favorable positions and opportunities. When job prospects are dim, people remain with their employers. There's a fear of loss. There's a need for paying the bills. There's no cushion to be able to, to avoid that kind of thing either. So, you know, that's, that's what ends up happening. You, you've got to look for those things to, and, and, you know, there, there is something also that, that is very interesting that, um, um, It's called an affect uh, heuristic. And that is, there's a a whole series of scientific literature around affect heuristic that basically says uh, there's a way of decision making. And I'm only going to hit this on the surface, but there's a way of decision making that says take something and make an emotional decision very quickly. It's it's spontaneous. it, It keeps you away from having to logically progress through a process to determine rights and wrongs. And oftentimes people will emotionally go forward with something. And people were affected, but don't get me wrong with any of this conversation. People were affected emotionally by the last year and a half of of what has happened in the world around them. Whether, no matter what side of the spectrum you fall on in terms of arguments pro and con to a lot of the things that have happened state by state, people were still affected emotionally. People did take some countenance in their lives and say, okay, how do we change certain things? But they did not disregard as some of the literature suggests in the great resignation, they did not disregard the fact that they need to pay for their bills. They always have had to, they need to continue to pay for the bills. The government can't pay for all your bills, maybe on a short-term basis, especially when it's government cost. This pandemic obviously is, it was a worldwide issue, worldwide problem, but the shutdowns, the fact that life in business and everything else discontinued for a period of time, was not the fault of individuals or those businesses. It was determined by outside governmental agencies requiring and mandating things to happen. Thus, some checks were sent to use individuals and businesses were bailed out with PPPs and all this other stuff occurred, which is totally understandable, totally realistic, and, and should have happened. Um, but there are you Know that's this is this is the route I'm, I'm going off the trail a little bit, but you know, the, the one thing we can look at, there, and there's you know a graph uh, that's probably going to come across your screen in just a second that kind of looks at um, you know job quit rates versus you know the amount of openings. And in recent times, as you know, the, the job quit rates and the drop rate openings vary kind of together, they strongly vary together. If you look at this chart, you can see. A reflection of one or other. There's some there's some variances in the the, the delta between the two, but you can see that the curve, if it, if you call that, or the graph, basically corresponds with each other almost, you know, dip for dip and re, uh, rise for rise. Uh, and and it, the correlation between job quits and job openings is a robust point point eight zero in April, excuse me in April twenty twenty one. The rate of job openings reached a record high of 6.0. And the rate of job quits reached 2.7. Yet the foundational economic logic does not attract that much attention. Rather, the news media relies on, you know, colorful anecdotes about worker dissatisfaction and personal despair amongst everything that's happened over the course of the last year and a half, induced by pandemic isolation, and this rationalizes the view of the rise in these resignations. Okay? Um, Makes for good copy, but candidly, you got to ask yourself a question. Do employees resign in a bleak job market? The data suggests otherwise. So, you know, again, looking at this you know, job opening to job quit variance um, suggests just that. So in predicting job quits, you know, we can use probably 20 years of pre-print, pre-pandemic monthly job opening and job quit data. You know, I level did a constructed regression model to forecast the job quits. The model produced a line of exception, blue line, right, on the graph. And uh, um, think of that line as kind of an expected rate of job quits for any given rate of job openings. For example, you know, eyeing the graph, following the the blue diagonal, you can see the job openings rate of 2.0 generates an expected quit rate of about 1.6. Job opening of 5.0 translates to a quit rate of about 2.4. Now, if if you consider the you know yellow circles that represent the months during the pandemic you'll notice that the yellow circles are clustered tightly around the expected path. The early pandemic months are included as a great deal of uncertainty and falling employment are the exception um, as would be expected at the onset of this pandemic. Voluntary resignations were understandably low. You feared for losing that job with the the fear of the unknown as ahead. But as, as, as workers adjusted to the pandemic life as it were job openings have rebounded in quits rose for example the february march and april 2021 data points fall below that blue line in other words job openings are excellent predictors of job quits this it has there's are outliers to this always there are emotional outliers there are people that are trying to change their lives fully and are using this time period to reevaluate things. Perhaps that would apply more not to job quits, but job retirements, perhaps pre-retiring, things like that, getting out of that rat race, as it were, using this as, as a reason or as a jump off pad for doing that sort of thing. But job quips to job openings still follows the trend that we're talking about and is related more to to serious data than it is to this, this idea constructed by the media today that there are there are you know, millions and millions of people reevaluating their entire world, their life experience based on this, this year long issue. So in conclusion to that, I mean, I would, I would suggest that in normal times there are more job openings available, more people quit their jobs, right? And under usual, un, in under unusual circumstances like the pandemic, the same principle holds. The model demonstrates this logic. Using only pre-pandemic data, the model forecast job quits for April 2021. And it shows right on that, that, that graph that you see there. So no one really disputes that these are unprecedented times. You know, it's it's been crazy to say the least. Uh, millions of people, in fact, I either have resigned or are resigning or, you know, post- being laid off are now permanently resigning from those jobs. And there appeared to be more of a great reshuffle industry-wise. And I'll define that in just a second, a little more, but the cause for this change should not be attributed to personal epiphanies and, you know, prompted by pandemic seclusion and remote work and things like that. Indeed, regardless of social or political conditions, employees often contemplate their work environments and yearn for greater independence, flexibility, and increased job satisfaction. That's kind of what people do. If you don't like what you do, you're always thinking about what you might do to make your circumstances and life and business and everything better. So that's not surprising in any shape, pandemic or no pandemic. So only when extraordinary job opportunities exist, as they do right this very moment, will large proportions of workers resign and pursue those aspirations. That's the conclusion of that. So I would consider this question. If the, if the rate of job postings had stayed appropriately at 4.5 this year, as it was in September of 2020, would the job quit rate really be a record 2.7? The answer is no. Quit rates would have remained below 2.5. That's what it would have happened. Instead, the economies rebounded, the job openings expanded, to really astonishing levels, this in turn generates a record number of resignations. An improving and revitalized job market made this possible. Now, as far as the great reshuffling is concerned, I would would add to this supplement what I'm talking about and reiterate something very, very simple. There's a supply and demand curve for everything. People are the supply. If the demand is high, Those people have the leverage and can move and shape their future in a different way. And one of the top priorities for them to do that is of course how much money they're making and bringing home and, and supporting their family and or those other things that create a life instead of just a living because there is a distinct difference between the two, but the industry itself is going to continue to to reshuffle, you know, for, A full year or more, there's been this buzzword around essential workers and those that were not deemed essential, kind of demeaning in a way. I think everybody is essential and everybody should be able to work. And we can go into a whole discussion upon that, of course. But the reality is, is that non-essentialness for factory, some factory workers, for people in the the hospitality industry and the travel industry, things like that, the food and um, beverage industry. I, I don't know, but that's kind of a, personally, a personal affront um, to what they did for a living because what they do for a living contributes to their life. And that's just in, as important to them in the circle of influence they have as anybody else that was called deemed essential. And I understand the differential. I understand the terminology doesn't make the situation right or wrong. But that can push people to reevaluate as well. But the bigger picture on the reshuffle really has to do with what's happening um, in a geographic sense in in terms of business. We have large nodes in the United States. This is true for around the world as well, but there are large nodes in the United States where business types congregate. Insurances and Hartford, Connecticut, you know, the big tech is in Silicon Valley, Uh, you know, big finances in New York and things, there's many, many others, but those things are starting to shift partly because these dense population centers, a lot of people made an exodus for, you know, what they, what they call in politics flyover states. And they're coming to different types of business centers and building new warehousing and, and looking to adapt their situation to this kind of quasi-remote, quasi-office kind of scenario with a feeling that maybe some of this these large nodes won't be as populated as they were in the past. Now, that's not necessarily true for the youngest population who looked at the pandemic with a whole lot less trepidation as the statistics bear out in terms of of, you know, case studies, case numbers, death numbers, things like that. And the one thing that we'll do with these nodes, it will will eventually bring, New York's a great example. Downtown New York, the real estate industry is going to take a huge hit. But once it does, people will start coming back to that city as a function of, of, again, the basic economics of all this. Whether we're talking about a job or we're talking about a place to live, it's how much does it cost... In comparison to where you have your priorities in life for you and your family, you and the you know, the circle of influence you have, I like to say. So that's that's something to consider. But there's there's also reshoring that's occurring as part of this reshuffle. We're looking at from a logistics standpoint, from a transportation supply chain standpoint, the supply chains coming from other countries, especially East Asia, have they're not broken, but they've certainly been harmed a great deal. When, when we've gone from a couple of thousand dollars for a, a TEU to come from China to the United States port of Long Beach, LA, and it's now 10,000 plus surcharges and then the inland transportation goes higher. And, uh, these large companies are looking at their ability to, to flex when they need to, to start to reshore some of the different raw materials that they use to create their finished goods or even their their positioning of distribution centers entirely. And I know that, and I don't remember the name of the company off the top of my head, but I know that there's a big semiconductor uh, Taiwanese company that is now going to be bringing 1600 jobs plus uh, to Arizona um, over the course of the next year, specifically because and now this has a lot to do with the urgency of semiconductors that is needed in a lot of different businesses. And they're going to be reshoring that to solid up, firm up, and strengthen the supply chain to get the goods to the public that are wanted and needed. So that is part of the reshuffle as well. So all these things come together. You add to that the idea that that working from home is in some way, shape, or form here to stay. So the overall real estate and what offices in real estate, et cetera, will will be used for. Is also going to change dramatically. I'm not here with a crystal ball. I'm not Nostradamus, though he wasn't right about hardly anything. So maybe I'm better than he is. But I, I don't I don't read the tea leaves that the future is is going to be one way or or another. But what I can guarantee you, the one thing that's going to happen is things are, are are in flux. Things are changing, and when there is a great reshuffle, when there's a when there's a huge amount of job openings and there's a great resignation of a lot of people, then industry is going to change. The amount of money needed to attract personnel to those places that are losing personnel is going to change. The way we buy our goods has already changed and has probably changed forever in a lot of ways. So we have to be adaptable. We have to be flexible. We have to be ready, not just for what's happening now, but what we can anticipate and what we can anticipate is that our 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 business lives, where we contribute our potential into the business industry of your choice, is going to be more flexible in the future. The worker is going to have leverage for some time. Things swing, things swing back and forth, things will change again. But for the time being, that's where that's where we stand. So I wanted to get this out in front of you guys again. I, I urge you to, to go to our JAWS Bytes, J-O-Z-B-Y-T-E-S uh, YouTube channel or listen to this on any one of the podcast platforms that you're used to listening to. We enjoy feedback. We enjoy commentary. We really need subscriptions to keep this, this thing flowing and bring the content, the aggregation, the curation that, that works well for you. Um, I'll continue to bring you interviews. I'll continue to bring you uh, things that I think might be important to you, whether you're a professional in the industry or whether you're a person just trying to to get your arms around how supply chain, transportation, logistics affects you as a as an individual or you as a family, we encourage all to join in. Again, go to www.ilevellogistics.com, which is coming across your screen right now. Join us for the conversation. Be a part of bringing transportation, supply chain, and logistics kind of out of the shadows and into the the forefront of people's experience. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on JAWS Bites.